0: guest today is one of the true pioneers of Prague. It is a real honor to introduce the legendary guitarist from Genesis, Mr. Steve Hackett. Steve, it is a real pleasure to speak with you today.
1: Thank you. Nice to talk to you as well.
0: So I guess this probably is a pretty good time to speak with you after what was probably a busy year with the Genesis Revisited 2 and the touring uh, and everything. Are
1: you on a break right now? Uh, No, I'm not on a break. Um, uh, I stopped touring, but I'm in the studio, so I'm working every day on a new album. Um, I've been touring so much that uh, I haven't had as much recording time as I would like this year so I'm trying to get it uh, as much done before Christmas as possible
0: That's great news, Uh, when can we expect that album to be out? Uh, To tell you the truth,
1: um, I think it'll probably be out around about next October, I've got a feeling
0: That's great, you're certainly keeping busy I want to talk about the Genesis Revisited Project, which the response has been uh, amazing. Are you surprised by how well that was received?
1: Uh, I'm very pleased that it's been um, so well received, and particularly because, um, you know, the guys who originally came up with the stuff, uh, everybody that I work with has has been held in such um, high esteem and uh, affection with fans. Uh, and here's me going out with the, with a show um, with a completely different cast of characters. But I think that at the end of that at the end of the day, the, the music is really the style of the show. I think that the music has got a certain integrity within it, and um, that was what I was aiming for. Um, re- responses have been fantastic uh, all over the world, to be honest. Um, so I'm extending it into into next year. Um, And then I think, you know, by the end of next year, that that'll probably be the last time for people to see uh, this kind of show.
0: Well, you certainly are giving people plenty of opportunity to see it. And for those who can't catch it, the DVD is amazing, so they can pick that up as well. Thank you. You did the first uh, Genesis Revisited project years ago. What was the reason for doing it again this time around?
1: Well, um, it was a different set of songs. It was um, a completely different... um, uh, look at the the the, uh, the Genesis canon, at the Genesis catalogue. To be honest, so um, it was something that I that I felt the timing was right to do it right now. Um, uh, there were many Genesis favourites I hadn't really attacked uh, on the first revisited. So all these years later, um, particularly as there is no. No version of Genesis um, uh, treading the boards right now. Although you know that's always a possibility, and and uh, people hint hint that that's going to happen, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think that uh, for me, I wanted to do my perfect version of it. So. Um, and uh, luckily, fans have really accepted that. I've really done the songs that I, I thought were the strongest uh, from the 70s and from the years when I worked with Peter Gabriel. Tony Banks might run for Phil Collins. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just been really, really, really terrific, to be honest.
0: I recently had a chance to interview both Dave Kersner and uh, recently Nick Kershaw who worked with you on the revisited project and they spoke about working with you on it. Uh, how did you put together that list of names? Uh, and how did the, uh, the whole thing come together?
1: Uh, well basically, um, over the years, I've made friends with people who were extremely, uh, gifted, uh, very capable people who, um, really brought their own magic to it. Um, there were so many people involved with the project, uh, between thirty and forty people, and um, it was really hard to keep tabs on on on, on the um, you know the amount of people that that, that were make, making contributions. So I, I had two studios going at um, at one time to try and finish everything you know i was doing guitar overdubs in one and vocals in one and other people were sending in their performances both drum things and and vocal things and um, uh so yeah we were able to keep two studios pretty pretty busy for quite some time it's a very long album um it was a double and um i think it was nearly 150 minutes um in total and we put that together in i think just under 8 months uh, which is really going it, considering on some tracks, you know, we had orchestra, or the equivalent of orchestra, the equivalent of um, uh, that many players, uh, string players, tracked up and um, uh, various things. So it was a major undertaking.
0: So I imagine being the person overseeing the whole project, you were uh, just bombarded with uh, guitar parts and drum parts and vocal parts and mixes uh, morning till night, day after day.
1: Pretty much. It was uh, very difficult to, um, A, to finish on time and, um, B, to get mixes of the quality that, that we we knew we had to get because, obviously, we were up against, uh, up against history. But um, um, it's nice to be able to perfect certain things, um, aspects of timing and tuning. But beyond that, of course, to be able to do enlargements and, uh, like I said, to be able to add – uh, real strings in places and uh, and flutes and uh, what have you, like on 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 the the opening of the opening track. So, Chamber of 32 Doors, I, w- I wanted to give it, you know, the the widescreen treatment. It's a great song, and um, it was lovely to be able to do it with the sort of the breadth of um, the grand sweep of the orchestra coming in um, right at the beginning. You know, we had this thing where we had the opening chord by the orchestra. Um, Actually, was was half that length originally. Then we re, we reversed it, and um, we had both forwards and backwards stuff happening on that opening chord. So it's a very it's a very big sound. It's a very big string sound, and uh, I'm very proud of the way that sounds.
0: What about working with Simon Collins? Was that weird because of you know knowing his father and working with him for so many years? Did you know Simon as a musician? Well,
1: Yes yes I did um I worked with Simon uh, some years ago um on something of his and um he's gigging touring right now and um I think getting a lot of um, there's a lot of interest in fact we will be um, we'll be playing together on uh on the upcoming cruise and i'm I'm looking forward to uh, to that. So a lot of bands on and uh, Sound of Contact is, is going to be part of that with Dave Kurtzner, who I've worked with as well. Right, And um, yeah, lovely to work with him. Um, and um, yeah, he, he'd he approached me many, many years ago and I thought um, at the time I was touring and I, I couldn't go into the studio and do what, what he needed at the time. It would, I was just on such a schedule um, but um, one or two years later, I, I was able to um, give him what he needed for um, for something, and and I was struck by how very good he sounded, um, both as a singer, drummer, and um, and the strength of the production too, which, which was very, very good. So um, it's very interesting, and, and I'm really pleased things are taking off for him in a big way now.
0: Yeah, his that album he, they put out was was incredible. The Sound of Contact, really good.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: What about the tour? How has that been? And, and how hard was it to put the setlist together? Or was it simply, we're going to do the record and that's it?
1: Um, it wasn't simply a case of saying we'll do the record because um, there are two albums worth of this stuff. Um, so I've, we've edited my favorites over the course of... Um, Three albums, you know, it's really a triple albums worth of right. stuff. So right. there's, there's so much to choose from. Uh, what I tend to do is, uh, with the benefit of experience um, of having played these songs with Genesis and, and with my own band, uh, there are certain tunes that lend themselves to live performance. Uh, there are certain killer tracks. Uh, none of them are that easy, but. Um, um, a track like for instance Dance on a Volcano we, we do a version of that and we do the full length of, of the tune which is something um, when I worked with Genesis when we were first playing that it was in the mid 70s and um, we we ended up leaving the the end of the track off because it was so difficult to play and, uh, 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 and the, you know, the playing was ragged on that but mm. with the band I have at the moment um uh they seem to go at that with relish and um uh i also think that when something had a chance to um settle into the, the the affections of both the fans and players who were also fans at the time when they listened to it um with the idea of leaving the the end of it off um wasn't something that, that appealed to them so i said well it's a tall order guys you know it's It's uh, it's fast and furious, and it's seven eight, and um, you don't have a moment to breathe, really. (laughs) But um, but the band just do uh, 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 a cracking job at uh, doing that. I'm I'm thrilled once again, and and of course, um, I will be playing um, in. It's going to be in Florida around um, April in April. Yeah, I got my tickets. That's right, April third to to, to the fifth. Oh, right, Okay. So you know, <laughs> that, which is great. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: And is the show more or less going to be the same as the the recent shows in, in Europe?
1: Well, actually, there'll be some changed songs, so that the setlist won't be exactly the same. We're, we're we're varying it for the sake of uh, uh, people who have come to see it before. Uh, I don't want to be accused of always doing the same show. You know, right. this is um, there's a lot lot of great tracks to choose from.
0: What about working with Ned Sylvan on, on this project and him being more or less the lead vocalist throughout the shows? Had you worked with him before on anything?
1: Uh, no, we, we worked with him on, um, I think it's three tracks on the album. Right. Um, and he did a great job. Uh, I think he'd always wanted to be the singer. He always wanted to be the Genesis singer. He He, he loved it, so I think he said it was a dream come true for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was very um, emotional about that, and um, um, he does a, a fabulous job. So, um, um, and th- the important thing is, he loves doing it, and and fans love watching him do it because he has his own, he has his own show. He has his own flamboyant way of of um, putting those songs across. He he really lives them, right. and uh, I think that's important. You know, it's it's important. He's He's got a way of doing it that that's um, that's his own, and um, uh, he, he's really very much a, a a Genesis natural.
0: Even in your um, your solo uh, shows, uh, and I have one one of the earlier DVDs of the the last tour, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you 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 seem to favor some songs from the Wind and Withering album, mm-hmm. like uh, Blood on the Rooftops, and and some others. Is that? Uh, a special album for you or is it because maybe those songs you didn't play them live when you were with the band
1: um we didn't play blood on the rooftops live you're quite right but we did play 11th Earl of Mar um we did In That Quiet Earth uh and we did Afterglow I recall and I seem to remember doing All in a Mouse's Night and I think we did most of it we did One for the Vine um, in fact we even did What Gorilla at, at one point so I think that's oh, okay. the oh, entire yeah. album that was that was performed live uh, but with my own shows so far yeah, I, I have uh, featured uh, tunes that, that, that have had uh, the nylon guitar um, there simply wasn't the technology around at the time to be able to get a nylon guitar that, that loud uh, but the pickups are fabulous these days and PAs are very good so I can get a nylon out pretty loud even though you've got a, a band playing with it, um, you can hear that very well. So, um, uh, yes, time has moved on, technology has moved on, but um, the affection for those things uh, remains remains the same. So um, even though they're, 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 they're old tracks, um, they still feel current, um, if not timeless.
0: Yeah. Have you spoken with any of the uh, other members, Tony or Mike or Phil, um uh, since you started this project and touring over the last year about it and have they said anything?
1: Uh, no, they haven't said anything about it and uh, it, it, whenever I see them, um, I just say how you doing and they ask me how I'm doing and <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, I'll, I'll always say oh, you know, uh, well done on you know your uh, whatever it is classical album Tony or you know, how's Mike doing or, or whatever Pete's doing or you know, Phil isn't currently making music but he's talking about going back to it, so obviously I wish him tremendous uh success with that. Um uh, you know, whether that's in a Genesis context or whether it's his own stuff, I don't know. But um you know, the 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 jury's out on that one a lot of a lot, a lot of times, um uh, there, are rumours. You could wait a long time for that, you know, for a, reform, a reformation that included me and Gabriel. You could wait a very long time. <laughs> uh, you might, you might be waiting lifetimes for that. So uh, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm doing my version of that, which is, um, uh, you know, I'm still proud to play those numbers, and um, uh, it's not as if I'm compromising with that. So it's my uncompromised view of of the best of Genesis um, throughout its history. That's how I, how I perceive it. Uh, it, just judging by the feedback that, that I've had from um, both fans and musicians. So I do keep my eyes, uh, my eyes and ears open um, about that. And um, I, I know that it was noted that, that all five of us might get back together again, but the last time that was proposed to me was in 2005, uh, but sadly, nothing materialised from that. So I, I have to assume that it's um, um, a far-off dream. Um, meanwhile, you know, the dream continues with both that music and and new music that I'm doing. So um, it's it's much easier to organise yourself than than um, uh, you know a number of guys who played in a band at one time together. It's um, it's it's far more difficult and complicated for all right. sorts of reasons that um, uh, people won't understand. I, I think you know most fans think, oh, well, they did it then. Why can't they do it now? You know, all, all I can say is that I've said, wait, if you'd like me to do it, you know, my door's always open to that. So, so you know, it's it's always possible. But uh, don't hold your breath. That's all. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: unfortunately, the questions about that will probably never stop for you.
1: So, no, uh, they won't. They won't stop. <laughs> no, yeah, you know. So. Um,
0: well, we can only hope. I'm, um, a, re- I'm a
1: reformed <laughs> character myself. You see,
0: right? Uh, you know, if it's okay, I, I wanted to just go uh, through just a couple of songs and and see if you know we sure. can get some stories on on some of them. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. the first one being a musical box, uh, of course, which you know on the yeah. DVD uh, it it gets such a rousing standing ovation, which I think I, I probably yeah. did the same watching it in in my house you know, that's such a powerful song at the end. How was it uh, coming up with that song? And what is it that makes it so powerful live? Cause it, it really has an energy about it.
1: Um, it does have an energy. I think um, <clears throat> what tends to happen with the song is that um, you get various explosions, you know, it's, it's, as if it, uh, it's a song that meanders and um, it lulls you into a false sense of security and then it hits you whammo and um, uh, I always used to think in the old days that um, it, it meandered too much and that it had too many breakdown sections and that we should have kept the energy up because in, in those days performing in front of audiences they weren't always um, prepared to in, indulge the, the quieter moments and those moments would get shouted down but because it's had time to just um, gestate uh, fans have come to uh, accept that because they know it right. and um, for all the reasons that I thought uh, we were taking too much of a chance by breaking it down so much, you know, such a wide dynamic, I think that's precisely what makes the thing work. The strength of it is the fact that it goes from a whisper to a scream uh, to a roar and I also think the The closing section of the number is a great piece of music um, with everyone on the original record doing absolutely the right thing. And um, um, there's just something really honest about it and um, sensual and um, imaginative. And all sorts of words I could use to describe it, but you know it it it's, it's that genesis hybrid between something that's classical and something that's um, challenging and sexy and melodic and um, an aspect of pantomime and an a- aspect of victoriana, but all of that combined with rock guitar, so I think it's one it's the quintessential genesis number
0: yeah, I would agree uh, Watcher of the skies of of course. Uh, which also just the, those opening chords almost define that whole that whole genre or even the, that early period for me. Um, which, and I also yes, think
1: I I agree. It, I agree. It, I think it's uh, I, I think just the opening chords are, 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 are a beautiful me- piece of music in themselves.
0: And it's it's probably the best opening song that, <laughs> that there is too. Um,
1: well, it's an interesting one. Yeah, it's it's got that thing. It's got the mellotron uh, opening, which. Uh, then gives away to mellotron and 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 organ. Of course, we use other samples with it as well to fill out the mellotron, so it's a smoother, uh, richer sound. But we use all of the original um, uh, mellotron sounds right. um, in a, in a digital format before they've gone through the uh, before they've gone through the, the mell. So um, my mellotron strings um, are recorded before they go through the mellotron, so they're. They're the pure samples that exist before the, the Mellotron has had a chance to chew it. So it's it's the cleanest Mellotron in the business.
0: Oh, cool. Um, when when Tony came up with that opening part, was the song, yep. uh, was that the first part written and then the song was built around that? Or was the sort of the verse and choruses written and, and then it progressed from there? If you remember. Uh,
1: no, the first... The, 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 the song's history is that uh, we heard that um, uh, King Crimson was selling a Nytron and I was determined that we should get one so um, I grabbed hold of Tony and we went down to see them in in London when they were rehearsing uh, uh, beneath a cafe um, in, in Fulham and uh, they had three Nytrons one of which they were selling uh, it was probably the least reliable but it still sounded beautiful And um, uh, immediately, Tony started to mix the strings and the brass together. Um, You could do that with the double manual thing and and use a a bass part from, um, I think it was English accordion. So you had this sort of windblown aspect of the brass and the accordion, the air of that and strings. And um, the introduction was written based on, on two chords, first of all um tony was messing with two chords um mike said to me oh you've got to hear these two chords that, that tony's got you know i think we sh- should do something with that so he was encouraged to extend those two chords into the opening and then having gone from that kind of orchestral um quintessentially progressive sounding uh, opening that sounded a little bit like an orchestra um mm-hmm. the band crescendoed underneath it so um uh, and I think that was one of the most powerful, powerful moments. Um, I think audiences still get a rush from that because when we do it live, we do it loud. And um, it's nice for it to go from, uh, you know, from, um, again, it's from this kind of you can hear a pin drop to to when it's really overtaking you. So um, it's a powerful, it's a powerful moment. Yeah, and it's a powerful no, piece of music.
0: It's great. Well, one more, and it's not a prog, really a prog one, but it's one sure. of one of my favorites, and one that I thought was always interesting to me, even where it was placed on the record, which was Afterglow, mm-hmm. on yeah. really a, a heavy progressive album, and it's sort of a a, yeah. a ballad, if you will, at, at the end of the yeah. album, which was different yeah. at the time. And so, yeah. what's the story about that one, and and why? What was the reasoning for kind of putting it as the close and and that sort of thing?
1: Um, I think when you're putting albums together, what you tend to do is move it around a little bit like dominoes. Um, There's a natural order of things when songs are written and... You just have to juggle with that. Um, having said that, we were recording the track in um, in Holland, and the 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 analogue, I think it was a Studer machine we were using, started to chew the tape. And um, I'd had a vague idea that we should make up vocal loops with Phil's voice, and uh, this idea of mine was on a back burner and uh, it wasn't until the tape started to get chewed we had a half a day left and uh, and i said to Dave Henshaw, uh, why won't we try making these things up because there's no point um uh, uh, endangering the stuff we've recorded uh so we recorded phil's voice um to every note that he could manage we 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 tripled him so there's three of phil on every note and then we played it back um, using the, the mixing desk like a keyboard. So you bring up faders and you could make up chords from this. So mm-hmm. the harmony sound that um, is spectacular on that track um, and the thing that plays out the album was made up out of Phil's voice with it sounding like, like him singing live, but actually he wasn't singing that, that part of the song live. He was singing the words live, but the, 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 um, the R's... were were all tape loop and um, so that was uh, an extraordinary sound Um, so we thought it sounded spectacular and um, we thought it was epic and it's a beautiful song there's no doubt about it Um, and um, I I was sad that it was never released as a single because I thought it was a hell of a good love song
0: I always thought it was yep. uh, growing up that it yep, was, yep. was a single. Well,
1: somebody probably will one day, you know. <laughs> Maybe it'll get released, and uh, or someone will pick up on it for a, um, uh, you know, for a film or something. I mean, as it happens, I think John Wetton sings a wonderful version of it on yeah. the, on Visited Number two, um Sings a great version, and so does Nad Sing a great version of it live. So um, um, it 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 manages to transcend. The or managed to transcend the the original team that that did it. It's 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 just a great song, and uh, it has um, really have a bass part as such. It's really it's really a bass pedal most of it. So uh, bass pedal and organ, which gets joined not by strings as usual, but by by voices, and it's a big sound. And uh, I was using uh, Les Paul double tracked on it, and doing the kind of thing on guitar that the Beatles did with the, a lot of their keyboard work, the piano work, the ding-dong, ding-dong, just two-note thing. Um, I thought that might work, and it seemed to work a treat. So it was quite a um, uh, quite a, a Beatlish-sounding guitar part in a way, that jangle sound that um, mm. uh, was so beloved to the Beatles that, that they did with, um, I think, Rickenbackers. Uh, on the version I, I, I um we recorded. I, I did it with uh, three guitars, one of which was was Rick and Becker.
0: I, I love these these song stories, by the way. So if I, um, really, yeah. really interesting stuff for me, and I'm sure anybody listening. Um, with Supper's Ready, when you did the version on the Revisited, did you find that it was uh, a different set of challenges than you re- had remembered uh, recording it, especially the Apocalypse in '98, those sections. Um, how was how was revisiting that song?
1: Um, well, the version on on revisited um, was done in stages um, because the team uh, was functioning in different places. Um, it's a little bit like um, how can I put it. The, the building blocks were really uh, from far and wide. Um, Jeremy's Stacey I think, was the drummer on that one and um, did a fabulous job. Um, Michael Ackerfeld did a wonderful job, you know, but he, he'd recorded at home and sent us the stuff, as many people did, um, and there were a number of singers on the uh, on that track. There's Simon Collins, there's, um, I mean, so many people on it. I did a yeah. bit of vocal... Myself on it on on Willow Farm, uh, Francis Dunnery, um, who did a great job on on um, in that not in that quite Earth, Dancing with the Moon at Night as well, uh, great voice, great version. Um, so, uh, in the old days, it was written in two weeks,
2: <laughs>
1: probably recorded in in um, a matter of hours, wow. and. Um, at that time, when, when we when we did it, you know, um, but this was a more considered uh, version. Um, there were a lot of things I wanted to um, to go at. I mean, the the guitar on the end. Um, I remember on on the original. Um, I think that's the last thing that went on on the track was the guitar right on the end, and I, I tracked up several guitars t- to do it and. Um, um, but when, whenever I listen back to the early stuff, I always think, "Oh, you're taking you know the rough with the smooth." Um, uh, so I recorded um, the stuff on the end for this. I recorded it on my Fernandez guitar, um, and then I thought the sound isn't quite right. You know, I think it could be better. So I got the old Les Paul out, and um, the Les Paul really just sort of screamed away on the end. It just sounded so beautiful, and I was really thrilled with with the way that, that thing came out. It's um, it's lovely to be able to play it live. Sometimes I get a visit when I'm playing it live and explosive things happen that I don't expect. Um, right. And um, other times it's a, it's a more human um, performance, but I think the one that's on the record, I definitely had a visit on that and um, I was thrilled with, with the way it sounds. It sounds really sort of classic Les Paul sound. And... Um, uh, and uh, it's that kind of uh, hybrid of something that's spontaneous and also considered so the, the phrases didn't work i went back crafted them again but I, I always wanted to keep that kind of loose improvised feel with it
0: first of all one of the classic amazing songs of all time for everyone and it, it holds up today as well as anything written so um are you guys aware of, or are you especially aware of, uh, you know, Genesis or, or your your music's uh, influence on, you know, later generations and, and prog genre and, and all of that?
1: Um, well, I've met quite a lot of people who say they've been influenced by it, um, and that ranges from uh, people who are in pop to rock um, to people who work in jazz bands and also classical composers. Um So uh, I know that the influence has been felt far and wide, and um, I have to pinch myself from time to time uh, to realize uh, that what we were doing at the time, which were doodles and groping in the dark, has become uh, definitive. Um, It's always hard to... um, uh, to get your head around that one, just how many people have, yeah. have, have loved it or, or been influenced by it. So I'm, I'm obviously very proud and um, uh, it was a great thrill to work with uh, that team at that time. Um, um, I think we were allowed to be fans of each other because there was some extraordinary work that was done.
0: I want to talk a little bit uh, about your solo stuff um, because you've always been really experimental on that side as well, putting out record after record that's completely different genres, classical to blues to to hard rock or acoustic and um, how do you decide where you're you're going to go next with an album and where do you get the inspiration?
1: Um, Well at the moment I'm trying to do work that's uh, uh, as accessible as possible, so um, uh, I'm trying to please myself initially because I think uh, oneself is the only yardstick that, 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 um, that we've really got. Um, if you don't like it yourself or if you don't love it, you can't really expect other people to love it. So you've got to be in love with it um, to start off with. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the primary ingredient for any song doing well is feeling that uh, the people who performed it, who wrote it, have got to love it in the first place so you've got to have that enthusiasm that that energy um, I think you know when you watch this is something I had this conversation with my wife Joe, about this um, you know watching the Beatles for instance from the early days and all the other 60s bands at the time didn't quite have the level of energy that um, that the Stones had maybe with the exception of uh, some other British bands that I was familiar with, the Stones, occasionally, you know, had uh, great energy, and 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 the Who, um, but um, there was something about the energy of um, of the Beatles compared to the energy of all the other bands who were from the region, um, you know, from the Midlands and from from the north of of England. Um, they just really stood up head and shoulders somehow
0: Yeah. listen I could I could talk to you for an, another hour and I, I know you've, you're busy and you have to go so I, I appreciate it so much and you spending the time and uh, you know I'll go on record like other people that are huge Genesis fans just to say that uh, uh, your music and everything you guys did uh, back then and even what you continue to do today is a huge inspiration to me and uh, prog fans, and it's it's really meant a lot to me, the um, the music and speaking with you uh, today as well.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, boy.
0: All right, and uh, I look forward to maybe uh, seeing you at the show uh, in April as well.
1: Fantastic. Look All forward right. to that. Okay, okay. thank we'll you, Love to everybody. Be well. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Bye-bye. All right, bye. Bye-bye. We're going to close with a track from the Genesis Revisited Live at Hammersmith CD DVD Collection. Uh, this is The Chamber of 32 Doors. For more interviews and information, check out theprogreport.com. Thanks.